real rarity today. Jesus actually is answering a direct question with a direct answer. He gives the Shema, Hear, O Israel, your God is one. You should love the Lord with your whole heart, soul, and mind, your neighbor as yourself. That's rare for him because Jesus almost always, I think somebody counted once 83 times, answers a question with another question. Somebody once asked the old rabbi, why do you Jews always answer a question with a question? And your old rabbi said, why not? <laughs> well, Jesus is always answering a question with a question. As a matter of, in Luke's gospel, uh, the, the, the Pharisee asks, what do I need to, to have eternal life? And, and Jesus says, uh, ask a question. Uh, how, how do you read it? What, how, what, do you, what do you read the, the law as? And then he, he gives the Shema, and Jesus says, yeah, do this and you will live. And then, wishing to justify himself, he asks, and who is my neighbor? And of course, Jesus then goes into his long, long explanation of, of the other. It is the Samaritan, the hated Samaritan, who is your neighbor. This is the one who takes care of the needs. You are called to love your neighbor as yourself. And this, all of the commandments are, are based. And so he's preaching that unequivocally. And today he is preaching it unequivocally again. And he's basing it on a teaching that has been forever. Forever. If there is anything in the biblical tradition going way back to Exodus and Moses, it's that we are to take care of those on the outside. On the outside. Those on the edges. Those on the fringes. Those who are forgotten. Oh, hear, O oh Israel, you are not to oppress. And they use this ugly word. Alien. You know, we, for many, many years, I think we're kind of softening it a little bit. We've always talked about illegal aliens, like they had come from Mars or something. But, but it was even worse than that before we were, when I was a kid, I can remember people talking about unwed mothers having illegitimate children. Can you imagine that? What, what incredible language that we use that, that does get inside of us. No child is illegitimate. No human being is alien. And so today, Jesus is, is trying to bring them in. Well, actually, he's trying to bring us all in. Because no human being ever alive or ever lived was more inclusive than Jesus. Constantly, Jesus was trying to bring those on the outside into his orbit. We know all we have to do is look at the, the Syrophoenician woman, look at the woman caught in adultery, look at, look at all, uh, the, 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 the Samaritans, the, the, the tax collectors, the, the people, the woman caught in adultery. She's included. No one is excluded. No one is left out in the world of Jesus. People on the outside are invited in. Now, this teaching has been forever. And yet, we are probably violating it more today, not just in the word, but in our actions, than any time that I can remember in my own lifetime. 
And I kind of scratch my head and say, why, why have we seemed to go backwards? We are becoming so much more exclusive. One is either all good or all bad, all in or all out. How have we come to this moment? And so I think it's really worthwhile for us to take a look at the origins not only of, of xenophobia, but all of our fears of the other. Our, our, our gender fears of the other, our cultural fears of the other, our religious fears of the other, our racial prejudices and fears of the other, even our political. Because the political has really been watered down to all good, all bad, all in, all out. The list is inexhaustible. And the sin, I think Ken Burns pointed it out uh, not too long ago on public television, he was, asked, he was asked, what has he learned more than anything else in all of the documentaries that he's done? He said, what I've learned is that there's no such thing as we and they. There's only us. There's only us. So the question I think we need to dive in today is, where does this hatred come from? Where does this judgment come from? Because it seems to be pretty deep, and it seems to be coming even deeper today. So let's take a look and see if we can make some kind of progress in dealing how we, and I preached this homily at St. Michael's a little bit, about, about an hour ago. How do we pass it on to the next generation? Because that's my biggest fear, is that what, what we have received, we're probably going to be passing on. And how do we, how do we stop that? And, and, and let's be honest with ourselves. Most of us have grown up in an atmosphere of, for, for sure, racial prejudice. You know, my, I, I love my father. My father was an incredible man. My, my, I was jealous of my father because he was a true contemplative. He saw things all the way through. But old, he was a Sox fan, and every time old, the, Cuban, the Afro-Cuban mini Minoso got up to, to bat, my father had a racial epithet. And, and, and I heard that. I'm five, six, seven years old, and I heard that. I went, I, I, I never really understood it, I never really got it, but it took me a long time to finally figure out how to get rid of it. Jesus is telling us it's coming from a very deep place. And one of the things I think we have to hold on to as absolute is that the deepest place of our being, our innermost being, is divine. Now, you've heard me preach this almost every Sunday. However, Jesus is pretty clear about where the hatred, the bigotry, the anger, the judgment, he says that's in there too. And they come outside of the person to make them impure. Nothing from come the outside goes inside to make you impure. It's, from what's already, it's in there. But the question is, how in the world did it get in there in the first place? You know, there was a wonderful song in the musical South Pacific, which came out in 1949, and I was just listening to the other day, and I thought, oh my goodness, 1949, they're singing about today. Because it's the story of, well, you know, of a little Nellie from, 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 uh, from Arkansas, a Little Rock, Arkansas, and she's in the South Pacific, and she's falling in love with this South Pacific Islander, and the racial prejudice is right there. And, the, and, 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 the, and the, she, she says, I, 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 I can't help it, I can't help it, I think I was just born this way. And the one with who is love, in love with her says, no, 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 you were not born this way. And then the lieutenant sings this, this wonderful song. He, he, he says, uh, you're not born this way. You're taught. 
He sings, you've got to be taught to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed in your little ear. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made and people whose skin is a different shade. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught before it's too late, before you are six or seven or eight, to hate all the people your relatives hate. You've got to be carefully thought. You've got to be carefully taught. And we have been. And we have been. In one way or another, all of us have been taught. And I, and I am convinced that we never get rid of our prejudgments, of our prejudices, until we can name them. Step number one in every 12-step program is to name the disease. To say, yeah, I got it. It's in me. I might like it but it's in there. So how do I begin to deal with it? You know, my mother was raised basically in the same way my father was raised. And I love my mother dearly, but she was petrified of African-American people. And she was taught from the time that she was a child that they are dangerous, and black men are the most dangerous of all. And so when I announced to her that I was going to go to an all-black parish south of, uh, east of Kankakee. She said, well, you can go down there, but don't ever expect me to go there. How can you go down there? I said, I can go down there, Mommy, because you brought me into these lily-white suburbs where we never had a lock of door and I never had any prejudice to go against, so I, I, don't, have any, I don't have that problem. She said, well, you can go down there, but don't expect me to ever go down there. I said, fine, Mother, I got to go. Two weeks later, who's sitting in the front pew? Like she's got a stick up somewhere. She's, I mean, she's petrified, petrified. Now, the blacks read us a whole lot better than we read them for a long, a long, long shot. I mean, you could feel the radiation going through the entire little chapel upstairs. And as she's sitting up there, Louise Edwards, I'll never, a big, beautiful, wonderful African-American black matriarch puts her arms around my mama and she says, don't you worry, sweetie. We're going to take good care of your little boy. <laughs> that was it. That was it. She crossed the line. She touched the skin. She met the other. She went beyond herself. She was healed. Oh, don't tell me love doesn't heal. Love heals. My mother began to be healed, uh, to the point that at, at the end, uh, many of the young people were staying at our house overnight, and it was, it was just an incredible thing to, to watch. Uh, this Earlier, this uh, uh, year at the end of Ramadan, uh, uh, Tom and Pat and I went down to, to Schaumburg for, a, for the closing of Ramadan. We could not have been more welcomed, touching, being with, being healed by the other, by the one who seems to be outside. So much of our adult learning has to be unlearning, unlearning what we were taught when we were children. We have to approach it through great humility, 
I mean really great humility and, and admitting that, that part of that pain is still in us in some way or another. Uh, in the, it, but at the exact same time, we've got to call evil, evil. We cannot whitewash the, the terrorism that Hamas put upon innocent Israelites. Can't whitewash that. That's evil. But the scripture is really clear. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Jesus really changed everything because it was an eye for an eye. And we know that eye for an eye is still going on. And the evil that is, be, that is being spit upon innocent civilians of the Palestinians is unspeakable. It's unspeakable. It's the, it's the multiplication of the evil. And it seems to be automatic. We don't seem to have to work at that very well. We need to work at the opposite. And we really need to work. What is our work? What are we called to do? Because, you know, we too have our others. Our others are at the border. And our others are people that we seem to be eschewing something fiercely today. I don't want them. You send them over there. And what's so sad, and this is what's so scary to me, we seem to be going backwards instead of forwards. We, we seem to be less aware than we were even after the Second World War. After the Second World War, we took in how many displaced persons and made them part of who we were. After the Vietnam War, our diocese had, had a whole office for the resettlement of Vietnam refugees. And almost every parish took in a refugee, almost every one. I can even remember in 1979, during the Muriel boat lift, that's when Cuban took all of their prisoners out of jail and out of their mental hospitals and dumped them in the United States. We made room for them. They were able to get in. And we were able to, to absorb them. Today, as I've mentioned before, there is a whole industry trying to keep us separate from each other, filling us with fear of each other and hate of the other. Somewhere along the line, we cannot pass that on to the next generation. So how do we teach our children? How do we teach our children? Of course, the answer is children learn what they see. Uh, I can still remember the example of my mother paying for the woman with the food stamps in front of line for her because she didn't have enough money. That's how you learn what you see. Uh, there, I've often thought of the crises that we're going through right now, if every church, synagogue, and, and, and uh, uh, mosque took in just one family, There'd be no crises at all. And I did a little bit of homework and found out that Catholic Chef Cherries of Chicago is doing a great deal. And of course, right here in Wheaton, we've got the wonderful uh, group that is, that is helping with the immigrants uh, of, of, uh, of the, uh, uh, the Wheaton College group with, uh, with the name of the group, um, but who works with the immigrants. I, I call our diocese. I've not yet heard back. We've got work to do. 
We've got some serious work to do. So what is the greatest commandment of all? And I have just come to the realization, this is the same homily I preached two weeks ago. What is the great commandment of all? Hear, O Israel, your God is one. Therefore, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because our neighbor is ourself. Full stop. End of story.